Well, today is Monday, March 30th, 2020, and that means we are in the midst of what's become known as the COVID-19 virus pandemic, uh, and as a result, we are talking to you live, myself, Ted, your host, and Vanessa is our co-host, and we are very pleased to be joined by a couple of returning guests here to the Multipod, Rita and Heather who have been on the show before. It'll be great to hear your voices again. But uh, we thought we'd get people together here today as we're in the midst of this um, crisis. I mean, it's essentially the the only way you can really talk about it. But we're, we're going to navigate that theme and see how we can uh, kind of bring some sense and clarity to how we all uh, live through this. Now, this is what's interesting, because if you are listening to this show, let's say a few weeks, a few months from now, then you know a lot more than we do about how this whole thing is going to turn out. So this is kind of a snapshot in time. It's a moment in time, and and it's a historical record. So uh, you, you can kind of relive it through us as we as we navigate it here today on Monday, March 30th. But uh, that's just it for us. We don't know. We don't know how this is going to turn out and, uh, and what's, how the world's going to change. So we're going to try to address that today, certainly, as always, from the, the multipod perspective. Um, and just share a little bit about each of our kind of individual experiences of how we're adapting to this and what life is like in, in each of our corners of the world. I'm in Eastern Canada, and Vanessa's in Western Canada, and Heather's in California, and Rita's in Latvia. So we're fairly spread out uh, reasonably around the world. Uh, but as I say, sharing some of our individual experiences, you know, just what it's been like for us and, and kind of in our, our cities or in our countries. Um and also, you know, thinking about possible outcomes and changes that can come out of this, obviously our own just perspective and, and insight, but, uh, you know, whether those changes would be to ourselves, things that we may be looking forward to or just trying to figure out as what could come out of this for ourselves individually, and certainly as the world in general, again, whether it's our countries or our societies, our communities, uh, you know, industries and all the things that we're involved with. So a couple of broad questions, topics and themes that we'll try to explore here today. And hopefully give you a bit of comfort because, you know, the Putty Tribe is, has come together quite well, I would say. We'll all reflect on this, I think. But we've come together quite well over the last couple of weeks that this thing has been going and connecting as best as we can, talking more, spreading, uh, sharing some of our thoughts and uh, perspectives on how it's impacting us. We wanted to add to that with our show here, our, our podcast, The Multipod, and give people a bit more of a a sensory um, experience, I guess, that's more than just text, that you can hear our voices, you can hear our personalities and put some kind of character behind those thoughts that you otherwise only read in text form on the forum. So that's what we're here for, is to uh, to add to that experience. So I think with that, I'll say um, hello to Heather. How are you doing? Hi. Yeah, so I'm in California in the Bay Area, um, which I think was one of the first areas to go into shelter in place. So, and I can't even remember when that was <laughs> at this point. Mm-hmm. I think it was a couple of weeks ago, but. That's true. It's been such a blur. Eh? Yeah, I know. So. And things change so fast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So hello to Vanessa. How are you doing? I am doing okay. Um, this hasn't changed a lot of things for me because I already work from home and whatever. But I also like I tend to go out quite a bit and like co work with people at cafes, or um, meet with a business partner of mine. And now we're kind of like not able to do that. So that's been a little hard. And I am an ambivert. I'm an extrovert and an introvert. But my extrovert side is not getting very much uh, attention right now. (laughs) So that's been kind of hard. But you know, surviving. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah. uh, Rita, how about you? How are you doing over in Latvia? Oh, I'm doing really great. My life hasn't changed a little, a slight, a tiny bit, because <laughs> um, I have been living a rather secluded life for the past 20 years. I don't travel. I mostly don't go out. I have a shop around the corner. Um, my kids are all adults. So nothing has changed for me. My, most of my life is happening for years already over the internet. Maybe what has changed is that I am contacting and speaking more with my extended family and friends more regularly, actually. So when people say they have more time, actually, I have less time. There is so much to do and there, is, there are so many different free offers online. And I'm rather overwhelmed and I am spending less time online than usual, which I never thought possible. <laughs> that is interesting. That's like the opposite of most people right now. Yeah. Well, that's okay. So there's, I've, I yeah. basically spend my time at home in the winter. I'm used to this. Uh, and there's Rita and Vanessa, but Heather, I, now remind us, do you work from home as well? Or do you generally, are you out, you know, out of the house a lot? I've been working on building a business. So that's been from home. My husband does work. He's a therapist, but he's actually going into the city and doing phone sessions from his office. Um, so for me, like work-wise, it hasn't really changed other than I was kind of in the marketing process and I'm like, I mm. sort of on pause, I think, because I'm not sure how to proceed in the midst of this. Um, but I usually go into the city uh, twice a week and that for classes. So those have been shut down. Um, I had three classes and one was macroeconomics, which was already online and uh, two dance classes. So <laughs> that's kind of been put on hold. And we just got back from spring break to a modified online and my dance teachers are giving like videos and stuff. So is that working? Is it easy to follow along? Is it? Um, weird? Yeah. One of my dance teachers, she posted what she calls buff yoga. So using weights, I call it death yoga because it's like really hard. Um, but yeah. And then my hip hop teacher is posting things to watch and make little comments on and uh, follow along. Fortunately, we had a lot of the choreography was recorded. So, oh, that's awesome! My husband and I are doing um, a YouTube hip hop video right now. We're going to try to learn uh, a whole routine and then maybe post videos online. Awesome! <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's like it's so amazing. Like how my my college just went like, okay, we're going to switch to online. We already had Canvas, so Canvas is a big program for mm -hmm. most people are familiar with it, and so. Uh, they just took the spring break to sort of modify things. Yeah. And doing my therapy on the phone with my therapist, it's just like everything suddenly is just virtual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That gives me a thought. And one thing we can try to talk about over our conversation here are some of the tools, the software and programs and mm -hmm. otherwise that we've discovered or maybe are using more. Zoom is a good example. A lot of us in the putty tribe use it, but I mean, uh, I, I've noticed so many more people. My family now is getting together on Zoom. We never did this before, just the last couple of weeks, you know, just hanging out, turn on the camera and uh, 
play games and stuff together on Zoom, basically just like we're doing right now. But uh, I've heard of Canvas. I don't really know what it does. Can you tell it to all of us who aren't familiar with it? Um, Canvas is a is an online learning program platform, I guess. So um, you can have like right now I have I had one class and now I have three classes and it just allows you to access um, the assignments. So your teacher will post assignments, quizzes. Um, they can post links for things they want you to watch. There can be discussions. Um, you you can do quizzes and get graded. The teacher can grade manually. I think it's mostly used for universities, right? Yeah, that's been my yeah. experience. I don't know anybody Me too. who uses it outside of that. But it's really, I mean, it's an elegant, that's an elegant solution to learning. I mean, there's many, many, many different, um, you know, thinking if you want to learn Khan Academy, even though it doesn't have that more interactive quality. So I can interact with my mm. classmates on Canvas. Um, but there's so much learning possibilities right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's exciting that way. I've been reading more books. <laughs> <laughs> nice. On that note, my husband is a teacher and here in Alberta, they've completely switched to online teaching. So they had spring break this past week and um, all the teachers were just taking it easy at home and whatever. And now they are doing their classes from home. And so I know my husband has a teaching partner and they quote unquote are getting together to figure out what they're doing for the kids. And um, my husband is one of the younger teachers. So he's been teaching a lot of the older teachers how to use like Google Classroom and Google Hangouts and all that stuff. So it's amazing, though, how in just a week or two weeks, I guess, they figured out how to bring everything online and make sure that the kids are still getting quality education. It's amazing. How have they dealt with the question of kids who don't have access to internet or fast internet or their own computers and all the rest? Because I know that's a controversy here in Quebec, and they haven't put uh, online teaching in yet. It is a controversy here too. Not, maybe not so much. Like I haven't heard about it too, too much. But uh, I think every school is individually trying to figure that out. So my husband's school actually has a really interesting divide between affluent, well-off people or people who are at least are doing well financially, and then families that are very, very poor. And so um, I know that his school is reaching out to the parents who have who don't have as many possibilities for access and loaning them um, Chromebooks so that they can get online. And then if they don't have internet access, I'm not sure what they're doing about that. But I think my husband said that they are trying to figure something out for those kids because none of those kids should be left behind. Right. So um, they're working on it and they're going to figure something out. So his school is amazing. It's an, it's an awesome little community and they don't want anybody to be left out. So, yeah. So at this point, is everyone's um, communities basically shut down? Do you guys know if there's anything that's still relatively open or is like everybody really encouraged to stay inside now? Yeah, pretty much for here. Um, I live in Marin County, which was one of the first groupings of counties that got put in shelter in place, I think a couple weeks ago. And like I called the hardware store. I was like, well, you know, I'm trying to do my garden right now because, (laughs) Um, and they were like, yeah, we can, you you just sort of like, we can deliver or, you know, you can order online and then we'll like you come and we'll put it in the car. And, but nobody's going into stores, restaurants, you can um, pick up curbside delivery, that kind of thing. But as far as I know, it's 
pretty shut down. Heather, you mentioned something actually on the Putty Tribe um, in one of the really long threads. I remember you saying that your mother, who was in her 70s, had to go to like a bunch of different stores looking for toilet paper. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, uh, that's happening here, too. Yeah. And it's just ridiculous. And it's kind of interesting because like in my macroeconomics class, you know, we're seeing a lot of kind of parallels of what's happening uh, as it's happening. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I was kind of making the joke. It's like, I wonder if my teacher like planned this. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I know it's like, hmm. Because um, literally, you know, we were learning about recession and oh, gosh, now we're seeing how that's working. And you know, yeah. I keep hearing, oh, supply chain will be fine. But it's been, we've been to the store three weeks and there's been no toilet paper. I mean, we're fine. Uh, we tend mm-hmm. to already buy in big batches, so we don't have to keep going. But just this last weekend, we walked by and there was two uh, teenagers and one was laying in the shelf and they were taking pictures, um, completely empty. Uh, finally found some pasta, and but beans, rice, uh, pasta, soups are getting a little lean. Um, no sanitizer, you know, liquids of any kind. So it'll be really interesting. But it's mm. kind of at the beginning, I was pretty reactive and that like, wow, you know, um, like, do we have to really can do this much? And, you know, mm. I've changed my mind that I'm on board with that. But that makes it more kind of dangerous for our folks who need to go out or and She's in Kentucky, so I'm. It's not like I can be like, "Hey, I can go out and find that and then bring it to you." Right. So I think for our folks who are in those vulnerable categories, and kind of technically we all are, because we're starting to hear of more cases with younger crowds. Um, so it reminds me then of another question for everyone: At what point? And of course, this has all moved so fast. Like two weeks ago feels like a year ago, right? But at what point did you really? realize or recognize how serious this is individually as individuals at what point did it really kind of hit you that this is this is not just going to pass in a few days kind of thing this is a big deal if i may it still hasn't hit me because i have been through worse during my lifetime already being where i am I have survived the change of, I believe I'm living in in the country number four, staying in my hometown. So, and besides 1999, around this time, it was spring, I and my youngest children caught a very similar virus. That means it was another pandemic, but nobody was making any fuss about it because it was hitting mostly babies, little children, and their moms. So there were some mistakes made, even in our case, but we all survived it. Yeah, the cough was really hard, but that's it. We all survived. So I know already it is survivable. And even if I am 60, almost 62 right now, my health is better than ever. So what's the big problem? And the recession of 2007 and 2008, I believe my country was hit the hardest, at least in Europe. And we survived that too. So no big deal for me. I guess at the same time, though, I'm just thinking like, there are people out there who might not survive this, though. 
And that's something that is a, you know, scary thought. And I realize that in some ways that's kind of natural, actually. Um, you know, viruses are natural. They're things that happen. Um, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't take precautions to make sure that we can lessen the effects, right? So just just saying. <laughs> I think um, I took a, like a little, not usually like one of those people who's like, oh, I'm going to not look at the news. I'm going to take a social media break. But I did. And I actually think I'm not going to do that again. Because for me, it I think this was when it had been around 180,000 in the world. And when I came back from that break, it had literally doubled. Like, And it was so shocking, that kind of disconnect rather than like, okay, we're easing into this sort of like, I think it was like 30,000 a day. Um, I've been watching the uh, World Health Organization situational reports and they put one out every, um, every day. They're PDFs so you can like go back and track um, and they say how many new cases and all that. I think now it's up to like about 70,000 a day. And I think that's when I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is really just like growing and growing. And that was, I mean, it's now up to what, like 600? So that was maybe just like a week ago that I was just like, oh, <laughs> okay, this is, uh, this, is getting, this is getting interesting. It's getting not scary. I mean, it is. And um, both my elderly parents on the other side of the country, so... Yeah, I can relate to elderly parents. My parents are in their 70s. And my dad is a doctor. And he is not necessarily seeing patients who would be complaining about having coronavirus, but it's so easily spread that he has to be careful. And so they've taken many, many precautions. They're wiping down everything. They gave heavy-duty masks to the doctors, which is good because doctors need to have them right. first and foremost, I think. Right. Right. Um he is in his 70s, but he's very healthy. So I'm not super worried if he gets sick. My mother is also very healthy and in her 70s, but has type 1 diabetes. So already she's a bit, uh, she, when she gets sick, she gets hit pretty hard. And so I'm worried about her. But at the same time, she lives in a very remote location and has already agreed with her neighbors that if she thinks that she shouldn't go into town to get things, they'll get things for her and stuff like that, which is great. But um, it worries me because they live in Colorado and I live up here in Canada and it's really far. And I was thinking also about if one of them does get critically ill, would they let me go see my parents? I don't know. I'd, and I'd rather not get on a plane. <laughs> I would really not like to do that right now. So I'm just really, you know, honestly praying that it's going to be okay. Um, but I, I see what you're saying. It's hard to, to think about that. Do you have other family uh, in Colorado that's nearby them? Yes, my sister is there, um, and she. I'm sure if if she had to, she would step in to help my mom. She's very close to my mom. And then my dad, my stepmom lives with my dad, and they don't really have anybody close to them. And my dad lives about over an hour away from my mom, pretty far away. I don't know. I think they would figure it out if they had to. But uh, yeah, it's just not nice to <laughs> to think about sometimes. But I'm just hoping that it's going to be, you know, hoping for the best. How about you, Ted? What was your shift? I don't know if there's any one particular exact moment. It's just, it's like you said, I follow the news and I have tried also to switch it off more often. Like instead of, you know, you go from like checking every hour kind of thing to what's the latest news and Twitter, which is just a, 
a mess most of the time. <laughs> but okay, so I kind of made a pledge to myself, look, I'll, I'll read the news in the morning and I'll check again later in the day. And I mean, it might be another time once or twice during the day, but I don't dwell on it like I did in the first week or so. But, you know, there's the announcements. I think it was the big, main thing. Uh, at first here in Quebec and Ontario, they announced they were closing schools for two weeks. So everyone was kind of adjusting to that. Now we didn't know if, you know, what was going to happen afterwards, of course, if it would be extended, even though from the beginning it seemed like it was a possibility. And as the day after day goes by, it becomes more and more likely. And then it's official. Schools are now closed until at least the beginning of May. And so I think when that was announced, again, not a huge surprise, but once it's official, then it's official. And then I realized the main thing for me has been, well, what's going to be the after effect of all this on the economy, on society, on people's mental health right. and all Absolutely. kinds of things, right? And it's such still early days, like we're just kind of at that tipping point now where we're starting to recognize that this is more substantial than we had mm -hmm. hoped or maybe realized. And, you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, say a couple of weeks, three or four weeks is not a, a long time. But when you're right in the thick of it, like we are, as we say, you know, every day seems like a month or something. It's just, you have so much time to really think and absorb. So it's coming to terms with just how much life will change after this. And I still am. I don't have obviously any answers or I, I'm still kind of getting my head around that. But I recognize with every day more and more that the world isn't going to be the same when this is over. Too much time will have passed, too many jobs lost, businesses shut down, you know, the impact on major industries and all that kind of stuff. The stories that'll come out for years afterwards of, you know, the people who uh, whose lives changed, uh, you know, whether positive or negative or whatever it is, but um, through staying home all the time. And that's what's interesting because arguably the four of us, and I know a lot of other people in the Putty Tribe, we're, we are kind of used to staying <laughs> home, you know, and like, and being well, maybe more self-sufficient or just staying occupied. We're multi-potentialized. We always find yeah. stuff to do. When are we ever bored, right? It's hard to even fathom the notion of yeah. being bored. But there's lots of people out there that they don't know what to do. And I, I know it's hard for even me to understand that. Like, what do people do? Like, if I have all the time in the world, oh my God, there's so much stuff I can do. I mean, the, the notion of having to find something to do all the time, because you have so much time. Who's ever used to having that much time? And it's a big adjustment for a lot of people. And then you throw in, of course, the impact on the relationships when suddenly they're maybe looking after their kids yep. full time and they're not used to doing that. And trying to work at the same time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, as I say, there's so much, there's so much to absorb and to consider about how this will affect our lives as we know it. And we're just at the beginning of that. Again, it's fascinating to think that there are people listening to this our show right now, presumably, you know, six months from now, and you know the answers, you know what's, to some extent, how this is going to change, and we don't. So it's a, it's a fascinating snapshot. But that's the tipping point for me has been recognizing that this is, this is now going to have some kind of big mm -hmm. change. And just trying to stay abreast for what that might be, and I guess be as ready for that as possible, as ready to adapt, you know? I think it's, I mean, it's, I've been really thinking, I mean, I'm coming from sort of psychological perspectives in terms of my training and sort of the, the crisis itself. Okay, we got this virus and we have to deal with sort of those impacts. And then we have to deal with um, how our various areas or states or countries or whatever are dealing with those things. And um, actually, I was listening to Justin Trudeau, the uh, Canadian prime minister, and he was 
he was doing a like enough's enough boy he seemed pissed like it was just like yeah he was just like do you guys want me to put a national lockdown or are you just gonna like be calm like use your common sense so that we don't have to thanks (laughs) right and you know he was you could tell he was mad but he was being firm and i was like oh here's this like kind of in a way healthy father figure whereas i think we might be dealing with sort of this absentee, <laughs> um, somewhat abusive father figure. And that's sort of adding extra if you think about kind of the archetypal qualities, the union archetypes and father, like the symbolic father. And so that we are kind of having to deal with those deep existential kind of issues as these things roll and it's going to be interesting, like psychologically. I mean, we're already seeing these impacts. Um, like I woke up this morning and kind of still am experiencing it with just literally woke up with crushing anxiety. Like, and like I said, I'm actually still feeling it right now, but you know, and maybe we can talk about like, oh, these, these different ways in which we approach how this might go for our own selves. I think something that's really interesting is there's a lot of um, awareness, especially on social media, people sharing memes and that kind of thing about how like it's okay to not be okay right now. And I think that that is something that we should be thinking about anyway, even when we're not in a pandemic, like it's okay to not be okay sometimes. (laughs) And yeah, and it's interesting that now it's come out so much that like people are like yeah like this is not normal this is hard for everybody nobody loves being in a pandemic and just recognizing it's okay to not be okay but at the same time i guess doing things that could kind of mitigate that a little bit or at least you know Mm -hmm. take care of ourselves in a way that will help us get through this any way that we can right so i have to say i find it fascinating to think of rita and people in, in her part of the world and others around the world who, I mean, are used to mm. throughout a lifetime changes, turmoil, maybe war, maybe other conflict and all the rest. And I know, as you said, you you, you understand, I mean, you take this seriously, but it's not new. Yeah. For the rest of us in like North America, we're very, very privileged. Yeah. We've never had to deal with this kind of conflict and, and, and up, upheaval, yep. you know? So it, it's a whole, when you say that, you know, we will get through it, people will survive. I mean, there will be fatalities, but things aren't necessarily going to collapse. People will get through it. And you know from firsthand perspective. Yeah, I'd love to hear Rita's thoughts on that. Yes, we are still on only on social distancing because our government is taking all possible precautions before the next phase. So we have a little bit more than 300 cases in the whole country right now. It is growing slowly. And people are really, really conscientious, like people are spreading out two meters. Nobody is buying out the shops or anything. Everybody is taking precautions, but without the hysterics. Is it fair to say that people in your country are just instinctively familiar with this kind of, of upheaval? Like it's deep and entrenched if, if obviously they were around in the Cold War and beyond. Actually, let me ask you, and I remember you telling me when you were on our show about how like your children, right, and the younger generation, they don't remember. Of course, they weren't alive. They don't remember what it was like in the Cold War and the collapse of communism. Yes, the younger people don't remember that, but... I have seen young people, let's say around the age of 30, 
they are the most precocious because they have small children at home. And then there are the children, and then there are the previous generations who still know. So we are just going through another hardship, and we are doing it peacefully and (laughs) without making it a catastrophe, so to speak. So you're not seeing toilet paper hoarding and that kind of thing? (laughs) No. Not much. A little bit. You, you, if you need those things, a couple of things, then you need to be early in the shop, in the morning. But every day it is delivered. Every day there is some and, and there is nobody who runs out and there will really be nothing. Mm. If they go to the shop early in the morning, there will be. That sounds positive. That's great. Because here we also have like, we're really having a problem with the whole toilet paper thing. And I know a lot of people all around the world, social media on the news have made comments about how ridiculous it is. And there was even a um, uh, news article written here. And the headline was something like, Canada has enough toilet paper, stop hoarding it. And the article was just about how, you know, we, we manufacture toilet paper in Canada, we're not running out of supply everything is fine. So just relax. And I think they actually wrote it in an attempt to have people not go and hoard toilet paper. Um, My husband and I both have asthma and I have um, some issues that make me immunocompromised. And so we ended up going to Walmart when they first opened because now they have a um, an hour in the morning when they first open for seniors and people who are more vulnerable. And so we went and, um, and, you know, it was funny, we both are young. So we walked in and they're like, Oh, sorry, this is just, you know, seniors time. And we're like, and immunocompromised people. And he's like, Oh, yes, of course, of course, and let us in. But it was interesting that they that they stopped us. Um, And then it was nice, because there was lots of toilet paper, (laughs) lots of food, lots of options. And um, yeah, it's just so it's so different. And so like Ted was saying here in North America, we're we are privileged for that. And um, I was thinking I was glad that it's toilet paper and not something that's like crucial that you can't make or figure out yourself. <laughs> you know? Yeah, actually. Yeah, totally. But it also um, anyway, in my life, I try to really be grateful for what I have. I try to really recognize what I have. And I even write down what I'm grateful for once in a while in a journal and that kind of thing. And this experience, though, is really making me realize it. It's really making me realize, oh, my goodness, I'm so grateful to have a roof over my head and, um, you know, my husband. And uh, even though my family is far away, I'm really grateful to have them. Um, I'm grateful to have universal health care in Canada. I'm grateful for uh, the fact that we can get food, you know, and um, I know that there are lots of places probably most places are really scrambling to figure out what to do with their homeless population, for example. And I just, uh, it just really makes me realize how grateful I am for what I have, you know. Right. Well, one thing we're trying to figure out as we navigate our way through this is, uh, and at this stage, as I say, this is essentially early days, but trying to think about the possible outcomes and changes that can come out of this event, this crisis, uh, and whether that's to ourselves individually or to the world in general. I mean, for me, I'll start, I guess I've been planning to launch a business and work online and all the rest, and I still am planning that, but I've faced a kind of decision point, again, a couple weeks ago, the timing was impeccable because I had my my work, and if you've listened to the show a few times, you know that I work in the summer, I work seasonal job that's very flat out, and I didn't want to do that anymore, I was planning to quit. And I had to 
I knew I would have to make the decision in mid-March, just the way the calendar falls, which happened to be like two days after this whole thing started. So when they send out the contracts, I had to make a decision. Well, look, do I go back or say I'm going to go back for one more season and all the stability they're in? Or do I continue with my plan, having no idea how things are going to shake out when all this, you know, finally calms down? So obviously I had to make the smart and... and uh, responsible decision. And I said, okay, <laughs> I'm going to come back for one more season. I don't even know how that's going to play out because, you know, I work in a national park and the park could still be closed, at least at the beginning of the year and all that. But I I figure whatever, I'll put up with it for another few months and then carry on with my plans, hopefully. But it does speak to, well, what's the economy going to be like? And, you know, I think, I, I like to think that it's going to be in a sense for the better because people are going to have a lot more experience over these few weeks here consuming digital products, providing services and products that are digitally based, that don't involve shipping, that don't involve personal contact. There'll just be a lot more familiarity with that. So that helps for someone like me who wants to do like podcasting and stuff like that. Um, so I'm hopeful that it will kind of shake out fairly well and maybe be that big kind of rupture towards people working more, let's say, from home, online, freelance, and things like that. It'll just become a more familiar thing. And maybe that will in turn kind of orient the economy towards providing more support and just you know recognition where there's taxes and things like that. Another big thing, which I'm really excited to see people talk about, is the guaranteed income, guaranteed personal income which is something I've always been in favor of. And long before I thought of working for myself, of course, but just the thought of having $1,000 or whatever it is to help you kind of get through the month, right? Yes. As things become more and more automated, et cetera, over time, like there's just going to be fewer work or different kinds of work. And this could yes. be the shock that really puts that into place. So that's something to look, well, maybe to look forward to. Yep, I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, UBI is uh, universal basic income is an interesting, I mean, it's always been kind of an interesting concept and it's not going to happen here, but um, not at least, well. Maybe in California. Yeah, that's true. They might. Like Newsom, our governor, has been pretty good about sort of leadership qualities um, in this and, you know, trying to jump on it. I mean, the whole state has been placed into shelter in place and you know, you see a lot of like, oh, this is going to, like all these positive things are going to come out of it. And Vanessa, I'm with you. It's like, it's okay for it to not be okay, I think. Mm. So the term radical acceptance, which comes out of Buddhism and was adopted by Marshall Linehan for uh, DBT, which is a type of um, therapy working um, with sort of like mm -hmm. how to regulate in certain ways. And I think it's a really important concept yeah. to think of like how we might proceed this it's happening <laughs> and to radically accept. And that doesn't mean like just sort of like, Oh, it's happening, but like don't have control. <laughs> like we humans love to grasp for like what we think is control and we don't have control. <laughs> um, yes. And I think it's, it's a right. really good thing to be like, how do we enter this in with balance I love that the skies are clearing up, the water is clearing up, and all of these awesome environmental things. And that's great. And like, as soon as these things change, that we are able to kind of return to our lives, that is not going to hold. And hopefully, it will plant a seed. So, my hope is that here we go. We see like the awesome story of the dolphins coming into the, the Venice canals and, you know, and that people see that and that it does plant the seed. 
And seeds are awesome because eventually they grow um, given enough water and nutrients. And that's us. Like the virus didn't do this. This is like we are making these changes, right? It can be dangerous to go in the negative direction completely. And it can be dangerous actually to go in sort of the positive direction totally without acknowledging that the shadow, the negative does actually exist. Like you said, it's okay to not be okay. Um, and it's okay to like find ways of how to proceed and mm-hmm. in, in really positive ways too. And so I think radical acceptance is like, how do you enter this into here? This is what is happening now being present and how do I want to organize? And some of that might be the acknowledgement that I don't have any control over this. Yeah. I I can only I can only make good decisions about what I can do to move forward and meditation, that mindfulness training to help you kind of recognize those things. Maybe there will be more of that as we proceed. Mm -hmm. Um, I have fears about like, is it just going to fall back into sort of our old patterns? And I think think like somebody said I maybe it was Ted I think we're there are going to be changes that are going to be permanent mm-hmm. I don't know what they are but they're there yeah that's the exciting mystery of where we're at right now in the midst of this we know it's going to change right. we don't know how I would like to think that we are going to learn some big lessons from this that we're going to be able to implement some things in the future that maybe employers will realize what a benefit it is for their employees to have more time off or to have more flexible work or to um, be able to balance their job more with the rest of their life. Because I am somebody who has gone into business for myself as well, because I'm just so frustrated with the idea that I have to like ask permission to like go on a, on a vacation, you know, I have to ask my job permission to go to the doctor, like that kind of thing is just, it really... (laughs) gets me. I'd like to be really optimistic. And I normally am a very optimistic person. But I'm not that optimistic. I feel like we're going to go back to our normal life. And it's just going to go back to the way it was before. And I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. But it's something I've been thinking about. And I'm just waiting and seeing. But on the other hand, I do think that there are some things that we will learn from this. I'm not really sure what they are. Um, they might not be the things that I hope they are, (laughs) but, uh, I have conflicting feelings about it. Yeah. There are two things that I really hope will come out of this. First of all, that no education system gets back to how it was. Mm. And the second is that at least people in my country, will be much more compassionate towards our government because our government is really, really showing itself as really caring. For example, uh, they are paying wages for these two months for people who are laid off because of this. Businesses who are having a certain level of loss right now because of it, they will have support as well. They can, can file it and they will have, like, they can pay their taxes later and so on. There, are, there is all support possible for the people who are hit the most, so to speak. The, the government is trying and, and with all the restrictions, like the, we are still on, only on social distancing. 
because it was activated when we had first 30 cases already, only 30 in the whole country. So I, I hope that this really makes people think about how they were complaining and whining about the government all the time without knowing what the government is actually doing every day. Yeah. That's another hope for me. Yeah, it's a it's a test of leadership, so it'll uh, be part of the history books as to who responded well and for who didn't. sure. I would say, I mean, I agree with you, Rita. Like, you know, it's great to see them bail out, uh, whether it's individuals or businesses. But I mean, you can argue that's is what they should be doing. Okay. If they didn't, then uh, it would certainly reflect pretty poorly, and it would be a hit, a bigger hit to the economy. Because you know, how do you think people are going to keep going? You can't have millions of people declaring bankruptcy. Yeah. Or, whatever, losing their houses or properties, et cetera, et cetera. So they got to do something. It's nice that they could do it. It sounds like they're doing it in Latvia, at least with a bit of heart involved, I think, with like genuine, they genuinely care, I hope. But um, they really do care that people can get through this and, and ease some of that stress. Imagine the stress and the anxiety that just comes with, especially here, it's, so it's March 30th, uh, April 1st is in a couple mm-hmm. of days. People have rent and other things do, right? It's coming up. Yeah, and I have this um, this hope that the current leader of the United States will be seen in a different light by a lot of people for the ridiculous things he's been saying, for the way he has completely mismanaged this whole thing, and that maybe that will change the outcome of the election. <laughs> Because it's so plain to see that things are a mess in the United States. And they were a mess before, but they're even more of a mess now. And I mean, Trump basically has a an expert on viruses, right? Who is sort of the spokesperson right now for what's going on. And Trump will say something, and then he has to come out and do another interview saying, yeah, what he said was wrong. Um, But he can only do that so much because he also doesn't want to lose his position. So there's a lot of misinformation happening and a lot of, it's a mess. And I'm kind of like, I'm really optimistic that people will maybe look at this and be like, you know what? Nope, this was the biggest crisis we had in a long time and and we can't do it anymore. That's my hope. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. I mean, taken down and... I mean, that's a whole, we could have a whole show on psychology and a whole episode on it. Yeah. I'm strong man and how yeah, that works. Totally. Yeah. So. We haven't done a politics one yet, <laughs> but I would say I, I do expect that karma will eventually come back to, to bite him and Republicans and anyone else who behave the way they have, but it may not happen in a few months. It could be four or eight, 10 years from now. Mm. And the leaders who emerge at that time we're born out of this crisis. Very good point. And so we won't know, right, for yes. another kind of half generation or something, potentially. But the seeds are sown. It's the seeds, right? The seeds are sown now, and they'll come yeah. to fruit in a few years. So it sucks because we still have to live through whatever's going to happen in the next eight months, the next four years, etc. But I think I can't imagine that a crisis like this and the response and the bungled response and all the rest of it won't foster people who are mm. are really prepared to stand up yeah. and take leadership and take action, even if they're in their 20s or something, or even if they're new to politics, right? It takes a while, but True. they'll be born out of this, which you saw. Remember, the same thing happened with the financial crisis 10 years ago, and a lot of the people who became uh, the leaders, the politicians that we know now, 
we're called to action because of that. So I do actually, so that, that maybe we'll wrap up on this. So it's a bit of positivity that I do feel positive. Things will change for the better. It'll just take some time. But this is the kick in the pants mm-hmm. that society, that the economy, the politics needs to get that going. Well, with that, I'll say thanks very much. Thanks to Rita, thanks to Heather, and thanks to Vanessa, of course, for uh, being with us today. We do hope that uh, everyone listening, we've provided you with a bit of um, connection, a bit of comfort, uh, especially as being part of the Putty Tribe. I mean, as much as anything, this is why our, our group exists, our community, is to bring people together and feel connected from different corners of the world and different backgrounds and so on. And so we like to do our part and this show and this podcast for contributing to that. As always, we put the extended, uh, we put the invitation out there. If anyone wants to come on the show, you can certainly talk about anything. If you do want to share some of your stories and perspective on the coronavirus pandemic and what's happening right now, we probably still have a bit more time to talk about it. So you're welcome to get in touch um, and and share your thoughts on the podcast if you like. But uh, in general, of course, it's an open invitation to anyone to participate and help to build that connection to people and, and be in your ears and not just on the computer screen. So that's what we're here for. And I hope you enjoyed our, our little conversation today, this little snapshot in time. So thanks very much to everybody for being here. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs>